you're listening to Door Bumper Clear, presented by OfferPad, and I'm Freddie Kraft. After a triple header race weekend at Las Vegas, we're joined by Cup Race winning spotter Chris Lambert. We'll cover Hendrick's pitch strategy, Kyle Busch cursing at lap cars, Kevin Harvick calling Chase Elliott a nine-year-old, and much, much more. Jason, let's roll. Nobody's listening, but I don't care. I'm on an episode of Door Bumper Clear. Yo, what's up, everybody? It's TJ Majors. I, wait, nope. That's not right. What? That's not that's, your name. That's not my Who? name. TJ Failed. has decided to not show up today. Along, least, with, along with Brett. He, well, I knew Brett. At least Brett told us last week he wasn't going to make it. TJ told us three minutes ago. Uh, what's up? Freddie Kraft, spotter for Bubba Wallace, Jeb Burton, and Derek Krause this weekend in Richmond. And here to... Richmond. S- where are we at? Richmond? <laughs> Vegas. 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 I, I've told you. I'm, I have no sleep. That uh, has not stopped you before. <laughs> I know, but it's, it's just I'm out of it today. Uh, saving the day is my good friend, Chris Lambert. What's up, Lambert? What's up, guys? I have Chris Lambert, spotter for the 11 Cup car, the 26 Xfinity car for Sam Hunt Racing, and the destroyed 18 truck of Chandler Smith this past weekend. That's an understatement. <laughs> that was an understatement. And luckily, Casey's back with us this week also. Yes. Hey, guys. You're, I'm Casey Boat, your marketing professional for DVC. And, of course, we can't forget producer Jason. Yes, thank you. Welcome to Bojangle Studio. There's some Bojangles on the couch if anyone wants it. Oh, that's and right. You missed that. I forgot. I was wondering why it smells so good in here. I love the Bojangle studio now because it's just going to contribute to the fact that I'm going to be gigantic for the rest of my I'm life. I'm going to gain the, <laughs> instead of the freshman 15, the whatever it is, 15 pounds on If it's country ham, I'm in. <laughs> yeah, country ham business, so for sure. Well, uh, race I winner. would Yes, race winner. Tell us about your strategy, considering it didn't work for a lot of other guys this weekend. Well, thankfully, Chris Gabehart was on top of his game, and um, when that caution came out pretty quick after a restart, four and a half laps maybe, um, they opened uh, pit road really quick, and um, he had already had it in his mind. He was coming to take fuel only, if if nothing else, and um, when the first – three or four guys passed pit road. We decided to hit it and he audible to a four car call. And, um, luckily it drug a lot of guys down behind us as well. So we didn't lose too much track position, but I think that obviously swung the whole race for HMS and everybody else. Yeah. I mean, no doubt about it. I think we're going to get to that later in the show as well, but, um, just talk about, you know, I don't know many people, you, you definitely have a social media presence. Um, so you, I know you've got every time, that I we spent some time at the racetrack together. There's fans beating down your door to get autographs. I think. Yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> they're beating down the passenger side door of my car to talk to you. <laughs> um, but just to let everybody know, kind of where you, you know, how'd you get started in racing? Who you know, where did you get started? Cup racing stuff like that. Uh, well, born and raised in Kannapolis, North Carolina, is obviously the hotbed of the sport. So that was the start. My cousin ran dirt cars, so I've been around it my whole life. But the the cup side of things, um, luckily I got a phone call from Doug Randolph at the end of 2006, I believe it was. Um, he was at MB2 Guillen racing at the time, and they were going to do some stuff with Craig Kinzer on the Arca side and a Morgan Dollar truck, and um, wanted me to come over there and work with him and do some stuff with Regan Smith as well on the Xfinity side. So uh, about I don't know, halfway through that year, um, and I wish TJ was here so I could give him a hard time about it. But you still can. <laughs> yes, well, I'm definitely going to. So he was spotting for Sterling Marlin in the Waste Management 14 car, and um, 
Slugger Labby was his crew chief, and they decided to make a change, and um, I got thrown into the fire at Chicagoland for my first cup race, and um, worked four or five races that year with, with Sterling and Slugger on that deal until DI merged with them and bought them out, and I lost my job, but um, yeah. So, so, I, so I, they fired TJ to hire you? Is that what you're saying? If you ask TJ, they're going to say it was salary-related, <laughs> but if you ask me and everyone else, it was performance-related. <laughs> <laughs> So, yes, I have the distinction to say that I, I took TJ's job before Coleman Presley did. <laughs> That's yeah. the top of his resume. Yes. I like it. I've known, I've known Lambert. So when I moved down here, uh, Mike Herman was pretty much the, the reason why I moved down. Um, you know, I, I hung out with him a lot, uh, back modified racing up north, and, and Chris and Mike grew up together, essentially. They went to school we together. Um, so Chris is one of the first guys I met down here and just been – Super genuine dude. Any, I can go to him with any question, any about related with anything, really. I mean, racing, life, whatever. Uh, I've been to numerous baseball games with his son Cameron. Um, but so we, we get to spend a lot of time together and, uh, you know, just uh, talk about one thing I wanted to ask you about in particular was, and I get this question a lot because it's, you know, and it's the question usually to me is how do you spot for different guys? You know, throughout the weekend, whether it's Bubba on Sunday, Jeb Burton Saturday, and uh, Derek on Friday, you know, everybody's like, well, "How do you do that every week?" You spot the twenty six Xfinity car for Sam Hunt, great guy. I do. Um, they've had eight drivers in that car this year. So now, how do you? I mean, I don't want to say our job is hard because I got killed last week on social media because <laughs> I, I, you know, we complained about the schedule a little bit, and everybody said we should go out and get a real job, which I don't know what we do for a living, but it's apparently not real, right? Um, but um, What's the challenge of spotting a car that has numerous drivers week to week in it? Well, obviously just going from Sundays with Denny to the lower series is different, but especially when you have different levels of experience in, in the one Xfinity car. So um, one of the drivers we've had this year, Santino Ferrucci, who come from the IndyCar side and did some F1 stuff. So he had zero experience. Like he had never driven a straight drive. He had never left pit road in a stock car. Um, the first question he asked me at Homestead, our very first race when he rolled off pit road, is what gear should it be? I, I'd be in riding around behind a pace car. Well, I've never driven a race car, so <laughs> I'm assuming second gear is what we're going to be in, but I, I don't know that for a fact. So it's like you had to walk him through everything that there was to do as far as not assuming that he knows anything. You just treat him like a baby, like a rookie, and, and now obviously the talent's there, and he took off and ran really well, but um, it's just a – I try and sit down with the guys or at least have a conversation with them beforehand leading in to, to get a little background if I don't know their background and just ask general questions about what they like, what they don't like. Um, but you get a pretty good idea after a few laps of how much coaching you're going to have to do, how much information you're going to have to give them, how much you're going to have to help them. Um, and it changes from driver to driver, and some guys pick up quicker than others. But this past weekend I had Dylan Lupton in the car who hasn't been in an Xfinity car in quite a few years. And it hasn't been anything other than a KBM truck once or twice this year in, in quite a few years. But he said he was going to take it easy. So I go down to Brandon Banesh that spouts for the O2 of, of Brett Moffitt before the start of the Xfinity race. And I'm like, hey, just so you know, he said he's going to take it easy here. So don't run over us. Don't put us in a bad spot. Don't knock your nose in on the initial start. We dropped the rag and we're three wide in the middle and we're the ones going forward. I'm like, well, so much for taking it easy. Here, so. <laughs> um, but the kid done a really good job till we got caught up in that wreck that, that – Everybody, I think you got caught in up as well in turn one. We so, um, that one. yeah, that looked like Talladega wreck. But um, it's just you, you try and get an idea of pre on the radio of what they have done and what they've uh, been able to accomplish and, and go from there. 
Yeah. So fast forward now, we talk about the win last night. And in my opinion, winning that race last night is it's one of the biggest wins of the year, honestly, because of the next couple of races that follow. You win that race last night, and now you the two biggest wild cards in the playoffs are probably Talladega and the Roval. Right. And now you don't have to worry about it. You guys are in that next round, you've got the win. Don't you can you can go out there and race next week and not have to worry about getting caught up in a big one because you know that's a lot. Everybody that's in the playoff besides you is going to be on edge next week because of the fact that it's Talladega. Anything we know, anything can happen there, and it's not that has nothing to do with your making. Sometimes that somebody could just cause a wreck and wipe you out, and all of a sudden now you got a hole to dig out of. So that win last night is is probably one of the biggest wins of the year. You know, top five, take out the crown jewels and obviously the championship. That's that's one of the most important races to win last night. Uh, for us with the 11 car, definitely. Um, obviously, winning the Southern 500 is huge because it's the history, like you said, and the racetrack is my favorite racetrack. I mean, I put that up even higher than the Daytona 500 wins that I've had. But for us as the 11 car, this round was what we were worried about. I mean, we haven't ever in my time since the Roval has been around, we've never ran well at the Roval. I think 12th our best finish, and that was just by attrition. Um, but Denny's never had – to really work on the roll as well because we've always come in with either a pretty good points gap or we've won a race luckily last year we won talladega leading into it so we could just go out there and just throw caution to the wind um but this round here was what we were worried about circled wise and we feel like we gave one away this race last year at vegas just with the way the cautions flew and and we had to work our way back up through the field and didn't get good restarts at the end but um i'm I would rather go to Talladega this week with basically zero Fs given um, and just get out there and try and help our Toyota teammates score as many points as they can and and um, not really care whether we get caught up in something or not. So um, it's going to be a relief for the next two weeks to not worry about points and just go out there and just have fun. I, I know there's one car you can push to the win. That would be fine by me. Just uh, – I wouldn't mind. Do you want to share? Yeah, to be the twenty-three, <laughs> the twenty-three. I'm just saying. Well, I would say that yes, he will. He will probably be on on help mode. I would think. <laughs> Chris, how long have you spied for Denny? Since 2012. So this is my tenth year with him, and um, it's it's been a fun ride. It's it's changes from year to year, and and what we expect with crew chief changes we've had. But it's uh, it's been a fun fun ten years. You ready to spot on, spot off? I guess. You know, we, we usually had this a little bit more to talk about in this section, but nobody showed up today. So. Well, I was actually going to – I wanted to kind of ask Jason, since you have an opinion. Um, what do I think about the race? Yeah, what do you think about the race? Well, I think Twitter in general and Jeff Gluck's poll reflects this. It was like 25% said a good race because nothing happens. But uh, Xfinity Truck Race is pretty Lambert good. said it was great. It was. I, yeah. Yeah. I think Lambert, <laughs> Lambert might be one of the few yeah. that I mean, I thought fully supports. He voted all 25% of that. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was. Multiple a, Twitter handles. Yeah. <laughs> Top two races of the year for sure. I mean, yeah. between the Southern 500 and that, what, what, what better way to go? Well, I will say I think both the Truck Race and Xfinity look like Talladega from our perspective and probably from your perspective too <laughs> that 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 xfinity wreck was uh was something else and it's just guys not giving each other enough room and we were guilty of it ourselves a little bit you know we're four wide there and the you know we're kind of moving up a little bit more than we should have probably we being uh jeb and i and uh the i think it was the 98 on the outside really didn't give much room to the guys on the bottom and it just kind of we all met in the middle and then turn sideways in front of the whole field and here they come piling in and it just sucks because that you know 
we go into that race with the mindset of, okay, we were, I don't know, I think seventh or eighth in points, and we really just need three clean races, and we'll advance to the next round when we got to really worry about stuff. And here we are now. We got a 27 point hole to dig out of for next week, starting at Talladega with Brett. So, uh, good you know, luck. It'll be, yeah. you know, but, the, you know, they, they, have obviously worked unbelievably well together, colleague cars. I think they've pro- – I mean, I don't remember. I feel like they're lined up the first three cars every stage, you know, the last couple – Every super speedway every race. Every super speedway race. So, you know, hopefully they can maximize, get, you know, 15, 20 points in the first, you know, first two stages and then just have a good finish, and that should take a good chunk out of the gap. But be interesting to see. It's def- definitely got to dig our way out of the hole. Well, I think the wreck this weekend, you know, it's a – bad spot for us the spotters because they're going away from us and your angles and your sight lines are not great there and it's a restart and you got young guys that are just on the chip just getting after it and um you know the 98 definitely did not he had more room to move up to the wall um i think it's just situational awareness and you know Fred, freddie said they're four wide i just wonder how many of the guys actually knew they were four wide because it didn't look like a few of them knew yeah um and we were restarting on the inside there and we we could have hit the apron and maybe got by it, but we just got clipped and got shot head on the outside wall and into the rear bumper of the 10 car. So it's a tough spot there, and I think it's just young guys getting after it and, and knowing that you know if I can get through here in this first corner and get single filed out, then I can score some stage points, which obviously is what everybody's after, and um, just a bad deal. Yeah, just just all everything going haywire at one time. Did yes. you do anything fun yeah, in Vegas? I was Vegas? about to say, the, I bet you the off-track activity was a lot more fun. Uh, well, what do we do in Vegas? I don't really, I didn't do much. Who'd think. you post that picture with, Freddie? Oh, yeah, I saw Chuck Liddell. <laughs> uh, he he ran in the side of me. I was sitting at the bar watching, I don't know, football or something. How could he not? And he, that's, not nice. <laughs> <laughs> that's who cut his microphone off. Uh, yeah, so he bumped into me, and I was really getting, I was getting ready to whoop his ass, and then he said he was sorry, and he would really like to take a picture with me, so I, I said, okay, no problem. And it's actually what happened was, uh, here we go. Another what guy had happened. Was, <laughs> what happened was another guy was with me, and uh, Nate Diaz was in there too. I guess uh, Nate's brother was fighting Sunday night or Saturday night. Uh, so there's a bunch of guys in there, and none of them really. I not that I don't know him, but I'm not a big UFC guy or whatever. So uh, one of the guys that was with me was like, hey, "I'm going to take a picture of Nate Diaz." And I was like, "Eh, that, no, I'm good. I don't need to go see that guy." And there's somebody be else asking in there. To take a picture with you. So then. Uh, when Chuck Liddell walked in, I'm like, that okay. That happens at the racetrack. Clearly. <laughs> I said, when Chuck Liddell walked in, I was like, okay, now I'm in. <laughs> like, this is the damn legend of UFC. Probably one of the most, you know, originators of it uh, to take it mainstream as it was. So that was cool. Yeah, we just, I just, we, I stayed at the Cosmo. Thanks to KJ. Uh, she always takes good care of us out there. Um, stayed there. Went down to, uh, what, the Resorts World, I think it was, where Brett was staying uh, one night, just hung out for a little bit. So, yeah, pretty pretty laid back. A little kinda, bit. Yeah. <laughs> just laid back, I said. A little Did bit one night, a little bit the next morning. A <laughs> <laughs> um, little bit at the racetrack. <laughs> It was, it was it was hot out there too, boy. I, that's, I it was. should have backed it down a little bit because it was scorching hot. It was oh. It was burning hot in the infield, and then – by the time we got to the roof, wasn't terrible because of that little breeze, that breeze we had. Thank yeah. God, but it was scorching hot. In the it, funny story about how hot it was. So three weeks ago, I don't know, three or four weeks ago, uh, it might have been Darlington. They forgot to hook up Bubba's cool suit. You know, so we're on the parade laps, and he's like, "Damn it, we didn't get the cool suit hooked up." And whatever, you know, they. I think we had a comp caution, and they they plugged it in five laps later, or whatever. So then last night, we're on the parade laps. He's like. 
uh, Will is our interior guy. He's like, come on, Will. We forgot the cool suit again. I don't understand why this is so hard for you. This is ridiculous. And I'm like, oh, man, Will is getting chewed out right now. And I look down. I can see Will in the pit box. He's mad. And I'm like, oh, man, this is getting bad. So this is like down the back stretch. Well, then we come around the front, and Bubba's like, nah, I'm just kidding. It's hooked up. Oh, <laughs> So I saw Will on the plane last night. I'm like, man, what were you thinking about? He's like, I wanted to kill him. He's like, I'm starting to get yelled at and chewed out. He's like, but I think I think they had an elaborate setup with like Emmer, their car chief, and they all they all had set this poor kid up. But it was uh, it was funny there. But let's get rolling, Casey. Well, let's hear a little bit more about our race winning presenting sponsor, OfferPad. Denny and Harrison, welcome to the OfferPad family. Thanks. Yeah, we're excited. You guys ready? You know we're ready. You know, at OfferPad, we're fast too. All online cash offer in 24 hours. But we also like to make sure that each home selling experience feels special, easy, and different. You guys look awesome. OfferPad really is different. Yeah, awesome different. Home selling with OfferPad is awesome different. Request your free cash offer today at OfferPad.com. Hey, Casey. We're heading back to the great state of Alabama to race at Talladega Super Speedway this weekend. Why is it such a great state, Freddie? Well, that's because it's home to a market for our presenting sponsor, OfferPad. That's it. OfferPad has a market in the Birmingham area. If you live there and are interested in selling your home, look no further than OfferPad.com. OfferPad makes the process extremely simple. You could have a cash offer awaiting you in 24 hours if you go submit your home right now. Don't wait any longer to sell your home and use OfferPad.com. When asked where you heard about OfferPad, select the NASCAR option so they know we sent you. First topic, Sheldon Creed said he throttled up when the caution came out, driving along the apron to avoid the wreck before he hammered Chandler Smith. Spot on, spot off, Freddie. Wow, spot off. I mean, my man hammered Smoke Chandler. I mean, and and to his own admission, I mean, he was on the throttle. You know what I mean? And what happens here, a lot of times, you know, obviously it looks awful from the outside perspective. A fan watching that maybe doesn't know, you know. But And if you listen to Sheldon's interview, it makes perfect sense. You know, he kind of sees the one wrecking with the 26 in front of him, and he kind of keys off of them. So once he gets clear of them, you know, once you're once you're kind of feel like you're through the accident or you know, you got a clear path through the accident, you want to throttle up and get the hell out of there before somebody else comes down the hill or or somebody runs you over from behind. So this is not uncommon. Uh but unfortunately for him, he was paying way too much attention to the 1 and the 26 and I guess just and come out from behind the 26, here come the 18 down the hill and and my goodness, he T-boned him a Ton, but I mean, I, I felt bad for Sheldon. I, you know, he got out, he jumped out of the truck, ran right over to Chandler. Yeah, he jumped check out on before him. it ever stopped. Um, you know, he was worried about how hard he hit Chandler. It was, it was a hard shot, but you know, this is not like, oh, this guy's an idiot. What the hell was he thinking? This was just, you know, a mistake, an honest mistake, I think. Oh, for sure. It's, um, and I think, you know, the flat black truck that we run with the 18 KBM truck doesn't help there. Night race shadows down on the inside part of the racetrack. And honestly, where we ended up, so backstory. Well, I see the 26 wreck, and we're running seventh or eighth, and I'm like, check up, get low, get low, get low, get low. Chandler decides he's going to try and squeeze between the outside wall and the 26 truck who's backing up the racetrack, and we get the nose knocked in. We come down the racetrack and hit the inside wall, 
And at that point, I'll lose him because where we're at and as flat as it is with the campers and stuff, you can't see right down against the inside wall off turn two. And all of a sudden, I saw our car lift up in the or truck lift up in the air and start spinning like a top. And my heart dropped. I'm like, oh, sh- what just happened here? And then you see the fire come out of the two truck and he he's undoing his belts and jumps out before the truck ever stops. And he hauls ass over there to check on Chandler. And at that time, I thought he hit him in the door. And I'm like, my heart's which Chandler said, you know, I'm okay, but still, you don't know how bad it really is. But um, so I go inside to check on him just to make sure after he clears the, the infill care center, and I'm looking at the inside of that truck and the transmission tunnel behind the seat, there's a hole where you can fit a hand-sized basketball just through the firewall of the truck. I mean, it was destroyed. It was one of the worst wrecks I've seen in a few years and actually got to go up and look at it. I mean, the cross member and the, the truck arms were crossed and it was, he's lucky it hit him as far rear as he did or else it could have been in a different story. Yeah. I mean, and, and credit to Chandler. I watched an interview with him after the race and he was said, he said, man, Lambert was telling me to go low. I just didn't listen. He said, obviously he was right. I was wrong. He said, you know, I just, I just thought I've, I've seen this wreck before and I thought I was going to react the right way. And you know, it's, it's a 50, 50 shot, no matter what we're saying, you know, it's, we're, you know, we're not never, I don't think, 100% sure either. You know, you're just kind of trying to, in the moment, go to the closest, you know, the best route possible. But, you know, credit to him for saying, you know, yeah, you know, Chandler, I mean, uh, Chris told me where to go. I just uh, I just went my own way, and it didn't work out. But, yeah, my, just the biggest thing is safety of these cars, man. We talk about it all the time on here, and just thankfully uh, Chandler's okay. Yeah, thank goodness. Spot on, spot off. NASCAR penalized Carson Hosovar for his late rate spin, but not John Hunter Nemechek for stopping on the track twice in the Truck Series race. Lambert. Uh, spot on. Spot on for the penalty. I was in the garage area checking on channel, like I said, and looking at the truck. And as I'm walking out of the neon garage heading toward the parking lot, uh, they had the big screens up, and I actually saw the wreck happen live as I'm walking out. And... Um, I only saw John Hunter's issue on track one time because obviously we were done fairly early and I was I was done off the roof. But when the truck came by me, it had power, but it wasn't running per se. It wasn't pulling the trans the the drive axles and all. It was not driving the race truck. He had power as far as ignition and all that, but nothing else was going on. So I don't know if when he stopped, he was able to recycle everything and get it to work and then drive off. Which conveniently, maybe the caution had just came out at that time as well. Maybe it was planned, but I do know that the issue they were having is sort of like they had at Gateway earlier in the year, and um, it's all ignition-related, ignition box-related. But when I saw the 42 come off the racetrack, cross over the onto the apron, and give it one big jerk to the left with his hands, and the TV cameras zoomed in right on him, I don't even need to see the gas pedal to see that he stabbed it, or as TJ would say, the data to see that he stabbed the <laughs> gas pedal. Data, data, data. I'm from Kannapolis, so it could be something way off off the beat <laughs> as well. So we talk ebonics in Kannapolis. So, um, but anyway, it's um, it's I I laughed at myself and thought if that doesn't warrant a penalty, I don't know what does. So uh, kudos to NASCAR for for calling it because it obviously can change the the entire course of not only his race but of several other guys' race. We could have another restart 
wreck and wipe some guys out that were going to have a good day. So um, as long as they're consistent with it, especially in that situation where you saw his hands, I'm, I'm kudos to NASCAR for that. Yeah, I mean, spot on. We Finally, this is, you know, we've been saying for years, you have, you know, I mean, they have the tools to know when these guys do this on purpose. We have all this SMT data. Without Bubba you, saying. You can, yes. And Bubba, like, you don't need an idiot to admit it like somebody <laughs> else did. Um, but, you know, like, the, my thing is, and I, and I probably, in the moment, probably would have given the four truck a penalty just for the fact that you know that he stops you know and I, same thing i heard him when he drove by us there was something wrong with the truck right obviously uh got on the apron rolls on a backstretch and stops the second the yellow flag comes out he fires up and drives, drives away. away you know so in the moment if i see that and not knowing what's going on like okay what why'd you stop you know obviously i know you're having a problem but it's just it just doesn't add up that you stopped and the second we throw the yellow flag, you fire up and drive away. Like, At least it could make be, it a little it, bit less obvious. Yeah, it could yes. be a coincidence. You know, it could be that's just when he was able to get it refired after cycling everything. Um, you know, we saw the 21 do the same thing. He stopped on the racetrack. Obviously, he had bigger issues. He got a left rear flat, ripped the battery out, ripped all the, I think, all the cables and wires out back there. So I, think, I don't think he came back out. I'm not sure he ever refired his car. Uh, so he was out of the race, but that was another one. People were like, well, he stopped on the racetrack too. But yeah, obviously he got pushed all the way in to his box. I don't think he ever came back. So he was obviously having an issue. Right. Um, and then the, but the four, you know, and you see later in the race, he had another issue and had to stop again. And I'm pretty sure he got pushed that time. Um, but that, that first incident, like if I see that live, I'm in the booth and I'm calling, you know, you see this a lot of short track racing, like guy gets a flat or something, goes up, parks next to the wall, gets a yellow, as soon as the yellow down. comes out. You know, yeah, he, like somebody did that this weekend at yeah. Eldora. Like, well, they did like, it in the late dry. model race yeah. at Martinsville. Yeah. yeah. You know, the guy, just to cause a caution to be Corey Himes stops right. on the racetrack and starts, as soon as the caution comes out, he drives off and they held him two laps. Yeah. 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 I mean, so he parks it and gets out because it's at the end or, of the race anyway. Or they so. weren't happy with the, with the way they started the race, so they slowed down to cause a caution. Yeah. So it's just, you know, but like in the moment, if you see that, you know, if I see he stopped on the racetrack and the second I throw the yellow, it magically fires back up and drives off. I, you know, it's it's a little bit more of a gray area compared to the 42. The 42 absolutely should have been a penalty. It should have probably been more than a, it should be. I like to see if they give you a penalty for something like that, I want you to get a penalty and then not be eligible for the lucky dog. Right. Like, you know, you should get a one-lap penalty and then you have to race your way back on or wave around. You know, we're not giving you a lap. We're not going to give you a penalty, a one-lap penalty, and then just give you your lap back if, you, if you're lucky enough to get it. But, uh, yeah, I don't the the – Cut and dry on the 42, a little bit of a gray area, but if if I saw him fire up immediately like that, I probably would have given him a penalty. Well, you guys have called NASCAR out multiple times for not being consistent, so. Hey, but here's the thing. Are we going to be consistent going forward? We, now we've seen this. Now this is a one-lap penalty. The next time somebody spins himself out, if it's whoever, if it's the cup race, if it's Chase Elliott, if it's you know Kevin Harvick, whoever, are they going to get the same penalty? And it's going to, you know, we're going to know it again. Obviously, like we said, you know, it was obvious when Carson did it the other night. It's going to be obvious the next time somebody else does it. We'll see how consistent well, it I is. I think the cup guys will be smart enough to do it on the racetrack and and before make, they before they cross that transition from make, the from the bank into the better. and make it. I mean, I just laugh. I mean, like I said, I was I was walking out and I just stopped to see it and I literally laughed to myself out loud and said, if if that doesn't warrant a penalty. I don't know what does because if you're going to do it at that time, do it when you cr- transition off when the truck lightens up and it de-wedges itself, and you don't even have to yank the wheel like he did. No. Don't wait till you get a truck length or two truck lengths onto the flat and then do it because, I mean, I mean, like I said, somebody that hasn't watched many laps around the racetrack, just the average fan would have probably said, 
damn, that was that was blatant. So, um, there's there was another penalty that I thought was interesting Sunday night or yeah Sunday night. Um, the twenty car. I don't know. I don't know if you call it a penalty or not, but twenty car is fixing damage that he got coming to pit road, and he's working on the car, working on the car. He goes to leave pit road, and the it's close with him in the pace car. Now I wasn't watching it live, so I couldn't tell you if he made it or didn't make it. Right. Um, so. Whenever that happens, the usually what happens is the guy that's leaving pit road takes off trying to sell the fact that he beat the pace car, whether it did or not. And NASCAR will get will say will call down to the person that's working the timing line. Right? They're they're down there Correct. at the line with a camera working the line. So so he they they you know he waves around the the lady or I think initially says no right I don't or no, she initially said yes she so I know NASCAR that, uh, the tower initially said no. Okay. And then they asked to confirm with the pit out lady at the camera, and she said the 20 good. is good. Yeah. So then so then the 20 is now – she says he's good. Now we're coming to green. I'm like, well, this is going to be interesting because they got the 20. He's parked on the backstretch. Right. And he sits there, and then I'm like – I told Bob, I'm like, we're going to have to wave this off because something's wrong with the 20. They either got to give him his lap back or get him to the rear. I don't know. And the tower just says, nope, we reviewed it up here, and he was no good. So I don't understand. Casey's got a picture. Yeah. Of Matt Humphrey, one of our favorite guys in NASCAR, uh, he tweeted a picture of the twenty not even being close to passing the. So it's pace hard car. to it's. So I think the issue is, and we talked about it on the plane last night when I got on um, with Yoshi that works on the twenty car. Um, where their pit stall was, Adam Stevens, the crew chief, assumed that if they beat that pace car to start finish line they were good like a green flag type situation when caution comes out green flag pit stop you're on pit road caution comes out you just beat the, the leader to that line mm-hmm. um so that's what he assumed and then when they realized that they needed to beat him to pit out the confusion came i think the tower obviously based off that picture because adam from what i understand adam asked for the picture in nascar said that they had lost it or they couldn't find it so that just makes it even more that more interesting of, of what's really going on here. But I think the 20 beat the pace car to the pit out line, the camera, which is what we go off of for pit out, yeah. but did not beat him, obviously, to the actual end of pit road, the yellow line to yellow line rule, and maybe they go off the yellow line versus the camera. But I think the lady was right in saying yes, he was good here. He was good at but this point. But the tower was probably Got it. Tower so there's was some discrepancy right. on which, which part's accurate. There's that 75-foot section there from the camera to the actual pit out, and I think that he beat one but didn't beat the other. So um, if that's the case based off that picture, then I say NASCAR made the right call there. Yeah. I mean, I, I usually I would I reach out to NASCAR comps to get some kind of confirmation or you know what the thought process was and just – with the time of day we got back last night, I just didn't do it yet. But I can get back. I'll get out with them this week and see what they say. But yeah, that was definitely confusing. I was like, "What? What is going on here? How's one official, the one that we usually go to for this every time, every time is getting overruled by the tower?" But, but I see how that could it, be confusing from a team perspective. Where oh, yeah. and and you're also in in the moment where you're trying to get lineups right. This is usually right. the point of show where I get a text from Bob explaining the rules to me. Like, if anybody would know, it would be him. But <laughs> Bob, can you respond to this? <laughs> Help us out. <laughs> and it's, I mean, for us as spotters, you know, all the communication from the tower comes to us now because they don't have officials in every box on pit road. So that's one of our main jobs with NASCAR is making sure the lineup's correct and doing what they ask us to do. And 
for us, I would like to know what the rule is. That way, if I'm ever in that situation, I know how to handle it or I know what right. to question or whatever, because at the end of the day, you're going to question anything that happens to your group, your car, and you want an explanation. But if it happens in, in the race there, especially to a teammate of ours who's who's trying to race his way into the next round of the chase. Right. I mean, that, that already real, that, dealt a, t- a difficult situation. Already going to have a hard day with damage. Mm-hmm. Now he's a lap down. And once you get a lap down, you're stuck because long green flag runs. There's not a lot of caution to get the lucky dog. And it just, it just compounds the whole day. So um, just like if they reach out to Freddie, I'd love to know what the explanation was. That way I'll know how to handle it if I'm ever in that situation. So Bob, Freddie, you owe us an answer. Yeah. I'll get on it. I'm, t- I'm telling you, Bob will text me tomorrow. And tell me, <laughs> You're an idiot. This is what the rule is. Well, the first part is always accurate. So. Always. Yes. Spot on, spot off. Daniel Hemrick now has the most top fives with 56 in NASCAR history without a win. Freddie. Man, I mean, super talented guy. Uh, nicest guy in the garage. Canapolis boy. Like, yeah. uh, like Lambert over here. Um, good friend of mine. I've known him for a while. Uh, I mean, and I find myself, uh, you probably do the same thing, you know, we're spotting for different cars, but like, obviously, you know, what's going on in the race, you find yourself like rooting for Daniel, yes. you know what I mean? Like, if you see him up front, you're like, man, I hope today's the day, you know, yes. I think even Danny tweeted something like the other day, like, this is DH's day, which he might have been talking about himself doing, <laughs> God knows what he was doing out there. But, uh, you know, but you know, you find yourself cheering for this guy and just hoping like I am literally, there's guys out there that haven't won races, right? And they're in pretty decent cars. And you're like, eh. You know, nah, that guy's probably never going to win. You know, whatever. But, like, I am literally shocked that Daniel Hemrick hasn't won a He's race. He's so close. Like, and this, the stat just proves it. Like, all these top fives without a win is well, is incredible. I think, you know, Lambert, you'll bring this up probably, but the fact that he had good news coming this week with going to call Gracing next year, right. I think that just shows that everybody in the industry is rooting for him, and that's a great car. So I think he has a, a lot to look forward to. Yeah, and it wasn't obviously I'm I'm spot off because like Freddie said, he's a K Town guy, Canapolis Lent head, you know, K Town Posse. We stick together and I've known Daniel a long time. Um so obviously I've followed his career for quite a few years and he's won in everything he's ever been in. Um he's won the Legends Million race years ago, which kickstarted his late model career, driving for Jeff Fultz, driving all across the country and racing. But I feel like that him having to work his way up into the sport the way he has he works on his own stuff he's always been involved late nights typical grassroots guy works all day works all night keeps his stuff up that he doesn't have the mentality that a lot of these kids that come into the xfinity series with either dad's checkbook or a sponsor behind them that they've never really had to put the time and effort in that he doesn't go to that killer mode at the end of these races to just whatever it takes to, to make this happen he doesn't he doesn't i think it's in there he just respects the equipment too much and just doesn't do it and Bristol last week was a prime example of the seven car. And I love Justin. I spotted for Justin here years ago, back before uh, Eddie Hunt came over and started doing it. But Justin got his nose just inside his left rear. And Daniel made a decision to make. Am I going to try and make him lift and pinch him, or am I going to give him room? And he tried to make him lift. Justin kept his nose in there, rightfully so, and wiggled him up the racetrack and went by him. And Daniel lost two or three spots. Daniel had that same opportunity twice later in that race to Justin and he lifted for him and that's just that killer mentality of 
and, and I could be wrong. Uh, I just feel like that Daniel is just such, like you said, such a nice guy and so respectful of everybody else. But I really feel like it's just because he's always had to work on his own stuff and the, the funding always wasn't there to do it 100% the way a lot of the other guys do it. So he's respectful of his stuff and, and just doesn't take those chances when now that he's in a Gibbs car, the cars are there, the funding's there, the team's there. That's not something he should be worrying about, just win at all costs. And, I mean, personally, I'm, I'm selfishly sad to see him go from Gibbs, and I know it was a decision that he made and the team warned him back um, because there's been quite a few times this year, I mean, KB wrecked him at Atlanta when he was definitely going to win that race. I mean, he was the best car by far. A shove at the wrong time over the hump there into one, just unload the car and he wrecks. And there's been a few times that they, they've sped on pit road where the team told him, our data says, data says, whatever that word is, says that you can you can go hard out of your box and you're not going to speed. Well, guess what? He proved him wrong. He got a good launch. He fired off out of the box and, and he sped. So just situations like that that are out of his control has, has also compounded the situation. But um, definitely spot off. I think I'd love to see him win. Yeah. I mean, and the biggest thing is talk about him going to call leg racing. Um, you know, obviously Chris Rice, Matt Collig, they've got a great program in place over there for him obviously expanding to the cup series so i don't know maybe that's part of the decision to go over there maybe get some cup starts next year um but you know look at the guys that are calling racing now everybody that's gone over there justin haley wins his first xfinity race jeb burton wins his first xfinity race aj aj wins AJ. on his first oval race you know and now the tear aj's on this year um so just hopefully you know i, I uh you know like I said, Daniel. Like I, find, I literally find myself cheering for him. If I if if we we can't win, I want him to win every race. So uh, hopefully it works out for him. Uh, hopefully he gets one before the end of the year. If not, hopefully he gets one next year when we're all a colleague. Uh, so that'll be fun. But yeah, just I just hope this guy wins a race so he does not have to hear about this anymore. Yes, the talents there is like oh, I said. I 100%. think it's just the the situation stuff he's been in. But um, obviously. What, what Matt Colleg and Chris Rice have done over there is great for the entire industry, not just not just the Xfinity Series, but in the entire industry as a whole. And he's allowing guys that maybe don't have the funding to come in and, and get a shot in top-notch equipment, and the way they do it is second to none. Spot on, spot off, Hendrick's pit strategy as they go from running top seven in stage two, pitted under green before the stage ended, and only Elliott returned to the top seven by the finish. Lambert. This worked out pretty good for you. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, I'm obviously spot very spot on. <laughs> um, if there's something above spot on, then I'm spot on. But, um, <laughs> you know, it's uh, with the 11 car this year, you know, we, we've had some races that we probably should have won and situations happened and we didn't. And whether it's a caution coming out at the wrong time or an ill-timed loose wheel or a pit call that goes wrong, but this one went right. Uh, we were coming, no matter what, we were coming to top off just for fuel. You had four and a half laps on your tires, and you're coming. And um, when the the few of the other guys stayed out that was in front of us, I think we were running third or fourth at the time, and then a few guys behind us stayed out, and we had a gap there, a buffer of like three or four car lengths between us and the next car that came. Gabe Hart audibled on the fly and said, four tires. Um, and we only lost two spots because the 22 and one car took fuel only, so that's the only spots we lost. So we're restarting ninth. We were ninth in line. I'm not sure which which lane we chose, but so we're restarting first car on tires, first car that can make it. We're in good shape. And once, if you listen to our audio, once we start working our way up through the field, I'm double checking with Gabe Hart. Everybody in front of us has to stop, correct? So we're racing only these guys, and the 18 ended up getting around us and 
that's who we were racing for that stage win, and we knew at the time. But um, it was a huge game changer. I'm not sure why you don't come and at least top off with fuel. Now, listening to Chase's interview after the race, it sounds like he, even further into that run, he didn't understand how guys could make it, and he was not going to be able to. So I don't know how much information was being relayed between Allen and Eddie to Chase, but he seemed in his interview, he, he said, I was shocked when I peeled off. It was even laps, four, five, six laps after I come back out of, on the racetrack that I figured in myself, nobody told him, I figured myself, these guys are going to go all the way, and I'm going to have to do all I can to get back on the lead lap if I want to have a chance to salvage my race. The five ran long. I don't understand that either. And as soon as the nine comes, you've got to come and protect that position because you know you're racing at least for the dog at that point in time with the nine. Um, but obviously they've had so much speed and stuff that maybe Cliff was just calling the race a little differently. But um, I'm, I'm definitely spot on. It, it was a huge swing for the 11 car, um, getting all the HMS – HMS cars pretty much either trapped a lap down or just tail end a lead lap. So, um, and it obviously it affected the fives race the rest of the night. Yeah, I mean, they just shot themselves in the foot, really. I mean, and I, you know, the only thing that would make sense to me is they thought they couldn't make it from there. You know, and I don't know what their fuel mileage was compared to ours, but I feel like everybody that stopped made it, right? Right. I don't think anybody stopped twice. Now we saved hard. As soon as we rode off pit road, Gabe Hart's like. Save me all you got. Yeah, we were we were like we were less than a lap to the good when we rolled off pit road, um, and we just saved a little bit. And, and like I don't know, we got to a position with like ten, fifteen laps left in that stage, where I, we weren't really racing anybody out the back, and we weren't really catching anybody out the front. I said, "Do we need to save anything here or what?" He said, "No, run like hell." So we, uh, I think we ended up tenth in that stage. But yeah, I thought the twenty four was the fastest car. I mean, by far, like. Another, we talk about this a lot on here with, you know, another penalty car comes blowing through the field right to the lead. Um, but, you know, them guys, like you said, Chase Chase was able to salvage his race a little bit just for the fact that he was the only one that was able to get back around you right. by, by before the stage ended. The other guys had to take wave rounds and lucky dogs, and you never really saw him again. You know, 24 had another problem. He had an unscheduled stop. I'm not sure what happened there. Um, but they were. this wasn't the only ones that this affected. You know, the 21 was having a good run. He he did the same thing. He you never really saw him again. He ended up I don't know probably twelfth or something like that. Um, Forty three was up there having a decent run. He was gone. The next thing I saw, he was two laps down. So yeah, I don't know. You know, it's just uh, I, I'm assuming these guys felt like they couldn't make it from there, and then when they realized everybody else was gonna make it, it was like oh oops, uh, I bad. But yeah. Um, and Chase said that he said in his interview he said I. To me, there was no need to stop at that point in time because we can't make it. He just assumed that there's no way we can make it from here, so why stop? Whether he was told that or just based off what he was told pre-race, what they could go lap-wise or whatever. But, and also something else that happened that obviously helped us probably. I know we went to pump two with like two to go. We were good, Gabehart said, but we just to pump two just to be sure in case it sputtered at something that we were good. But, you know, when they were cleaning up the 15 wreck off of two, one of the one of the cleanup trucks had an issue, and that added two or three laps of caution there, which obviously helped us all. Yeah. It just made it more. It, it, when once we yeah, finished the stage, yeah, bit. it moved the number. Once the stage is done, now if they open pit, wait to open pit road two or three laps, we're still going to be good, and not have to worry about running out before the they open pit road. But um, when they had to drag that or push that that cleanup vehicle off the racetrack, that just added to the 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 the, the buffer we had on lap wise and. Um, so, but yeah, I'm, it was a huge game changer. 
This is a fun one. Spot on, spot off. Kyle Bush says, I got into the fence again. Piece of sh Rick Ware, mother after Cody Ware side drafts Bush while being lapped. I really like when Jason makes you curse on the show. This I is know. awesome. Casey, He'll bleep why it are you out. Curse out? He'll bleep it out. <laughs> spot on, spot off, ready. Oh boy. <laughs> Do it. I mean, I don't listen, I'm gonna this is gonna start with a disclaimer, okay? I do not dislike Rick Ware. I do not dislike any Rick Ware's drivers. I do not dislike anybody on Rick Ware's race team. I I have nothing against them. This is nothing personal like they think it is. I it you can't do this every week. Like I understand. I get your business model. You're making money. Tommy Baldwin was around this sport for a long time and he figured out how to make money and put competitive race cars on the racetrack. And you didn't you didn't hear about the Tommy Baldwin cars all wrecking each other, or they're they're causing a caution at a pivotal part of the race and out you know affecting the outcome of the race. Um, you know these guys just it seems like every week there's a negative storyline about the Rick Ware cars, whether they all wreck each other. Last night, uh, did you see what's his name's wreck? Uh, the left rear tire fell off fell the car. Off. It, something broke and the left rear tire fell off the car. And Joey, Joey Gase yeah. is lucky to be okay right now because, I mean, he pounded the fence. Um, he went to the hospital. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I saw he, he tweeted out last night that he was okay and he was he was. He's getting evaluated here. here yeah. Yeah. Oh, he's back here. Yeah. Let's well, go. I mean, I, some of the pictures of that wreck, like he's all four wheels off the ground flying through the air after he made contact. But, I mean, just watching, I didn't see the 18 deal. I saw people tweeting to me about, you know, he held up Denny a little bit at the end there. He did. I seen Gluck tweets on about, you know, you're side drafting the leader seven laps down. But right in front of me, uh, I, I want to say it was the 42. I can't remember for sure. But, like, they were right in front of us, and I, he just came across his nut, like, come down on him, kind of like we did to you and one and two there at the end. But, uh, you know, he just comes down on his door, and I'm like, what's he doing? Like, I had to tell Bubba, I'm like, hey, you might want to give this one a little extra room. Like, he's just not – He's in the middle of the racetrack. He's not picking a lane, so it's kind of hard. I seen Reddick was complaining about him not, you know, kind of being in the way. Right. It's just, you know, I don't know what to think, what to say. Um, I would love. Oh, you say it every week. So I would you know love exactly what to say. I would love to never talk about them again on this show. You know, I, 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 I know it seems like I pick on them or Brett picks on them. I know TJ don't. He's not allowed to say anything negative. <laughs> but we're not picking on you. We're just pointing out all the dumb shit that goes on around your race team. And and I don't know how you can deny it or how you can justify it when it's every fucking week. It seems like. Go ahead, Lambert. I'll come back. To yeah, you. I was going to say. Do I you want to up? I'm, I got to take a break. I'm waiting on the Long Island to come out even more. So, um, I'm definitely spot off. I did not see the 18s as well, um, but it seemed like all night long. Like Freddie said, it seemed like we caught the 51 and 78 running together all night long. Now BJ stayed committed to the top pretty much all night long, so you knew where he was going to be. The worst part for us, especially with this package and, and the momentum that you have to carry, is is getting bogged down. And um, you try and give your driver a heads up of where the guy has typically been running, and then when they go in there and run, the exact opposite line makes you look like a complete um, But just we seemed to cut, caught the 51 and the 78 all night long, and you knew where the 78 was going to be. It was, it was flipping coins where the – 51 was going to go and he did not give you the exit of the corner all night long he would hang on your door or he would he would just run you all the way through the corner and just like freddie said side draft you i mean not trying to drag you back but just not give you 
the entry to the next corner all night long. And it, it's definitely it's frustrating as as you're catching these guys so many times per race every week and trying to figure out what they're going to do. And you don't even know who's in the car until you actually look down at your timing and scoring and know who it is or, and what they're used to doing. Um, but I did not see the 18 as well, but he did hold us up toward the end of the race along with my good buddy over here, Freddie. Who, <laughs> hey, man, I was trying to stand on the lead lap. I mean, and I get it. You you were 15th trying to run the 99 down at that point in time, and I never said a word to Denny about it. I mean, only thing I said was oh, a lot yeah. of a lot of Chevrolets up front. Cause we were catching the 48, we were catching the 99. There was one more, and of course the nine's trying to run us down, and we're getting tighter and tighter and tighter balance wise as we run. So. I figured the the Chevrolets would try and hold us up more. I didn't know that our our teammate would would be the one that would enter the corner like he's going to run the middle. We go to the bottom, and next thing I know, he's on our door, and I'm like, "What are you doing, Freddie?" I, I'd love to. I can't wait for our meeting tomorrow. Well, I'm gonna send Danny a text just to remind him. But so then, uh, you know, we come off the corner, and he he holds us up, and we race down the back stretch side by side, and I'm like, "All right, well, you know, maybe." He wasn't expecting us to go to the bottom, and we did. And so now he'll at least repay the favor to the nine. Nope. <laughs> the nine either was just that good and got to him and went right by him within half a corner, or Bubba was like, I'm not dealing with this anymore. I'm done. <laughs> I, but, think, I think they were just that good. <laughs> yeah, the nine was definitely that good. We were, like I said, we were building tighter and tighter. And actually, when I got to victory lane afterwards, our left front tire was flat. So we had a had a slow leak or something going on with the left front, and it was losing air throughout that last run, and that's why we kept getting tighter and tighter. And the last two laps, then he said, I was just holding on. He said, I had huge vibration, and we're just hoping to make it to the end. So thankfully we did, but our 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 teammates made it a little more interesting than it probably should have been. Yeah, you'll be all right. You want to race, you're fine. Yeah, but, you know, getting back to this. Like, do we, we want to get back yeah, to Yeah, I mean, it's really the, like you just get back to the point of, and we've talked about it on here before, I mean, me and Lambert have had this conversation a million times probably. When you're in that position, like if that's your, if that's what you want to do, if that's what you want to put the four slowest cars on the racetrack out there and and find a way to make money, that's 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 well within your prerogative. That's that's a way to do it. But you need to have some the, some good people around these guys and some guys in the car that know what's going on because the last thing you – you should go out there with the goal that nobody's going to know we're out here. Like you don't want nobody to even know you're on the racetrack. That's what happens with BJ McLeod. You don't. I mean, you like Lambert said, you know where he's going to be. Ninety nine percent of the time, he gives you the exit of the gives corner. You, the corner. Um, you know, even Quinn Huff has been way better this year. You know, guys, you know that were making mistakes in the past, and you can tell when a guy like JJ is in one of Rick's cars because. He knows what he's doing. He's, you know, he gets out of the way. He races probably maybe still tries to race a little bit harder than you should, but at least you know where he's going to be at. He's not making mistakes. He, he knows, knows the goal. Yeah, he knows what he's trying to do is just stay out of trouble and, and finish the race cleanly and not be part of the storyline. But, you know, for, for some reason it just seems like these guys are always in the storyline of, you know, blowing a tire and wrecking all three of their cars together or – Two weeks ago, they wreck again with each other, you know, because one of them spun out. And last night, the wheel falls the off. The wheel falls off. You know, just, you know, I, I, I don't, don't care what kind of business model you have and what kind of financial budget you have. If you're tearing up race cars, just trying to go out there and ride around and make money and run 30th, 35th every week, it, it can't be, you can't be finishing in the black. I mean, if you're fixing race cars and having to clip cars or whatever, eventually you're going to end up in the red when it's all said and done at the end of the year financially. And it's just, I mean, there's other guys out there that you could put in the, in those cars, and and they would take care of their stuff. And like Freddie's talking about, know what you're racing for, because everybody's got their own race within the race. And um, being being 
a part of the show in a negative light every week is not the way to to, to promote your brand. No. This podcast is brought to you by our friends at RacingUSA.com, Google's top-rated source for NASCAR merchandise. Fans, I know we've told you for months now about the automatic discount you get when you place an item in your cart at RacingUSA.com and their guaranteed lowest pre-order prices. But we've never told you that they have more than half a million dollars of merchandise in stock and ready to ship tomorrow. In addition to hats, apparel, helmets, and novelties for the sport's most popular drivers, RacingUSA.com currently has more than 500 different collectible die-cast cars available for 40 different drivers, including this weekend's Denny Hamlin Las Vegas race-winning die-cast. And when you're shopping on RacingUSA.com, don't forget to enter the win this month's $200 gift card. Someone's going to win it. It might as well be you. So whenever you want something new to show your support for your favorite driver, shop RacingUSA.com, America's online headquarters for NASCAR merchandise for more than 20 years. Denny Hamlin's championship chances are better this year with just two wins compared to last year when he had six wins at this point. Lambert, spot on, spot off. Uh, I know Freddie and I have talked about this. I'm, I'm spot on. Um, do I think we're the favorite? No. Do I want to be the favorite? No. Uh, I like where we're at just flying under the radar and, and winning when we need to. Um, but if you look at our body of work as a whole, when Freddie and I have talked about it, if you look at our laps led, if you look at our top fives, if you look at our top tens, and if you look at our speed as a whole, especially with the 550 package versus last year, I mean our 750 package, sorry, versus last year, I feel if we can get to the Final Four in Phoenix, we've got a way better shot this year because JGR as a whole has worked wholeheartedly on making our 750 low downforce package way better than we were. We made it to, to Phoenix last year, but we knew we were going to struggle to win the championship just because of the speed we had had all year long on those tracks. So um, I think that as a company, JGR went to work. Obviously, Martin won Martinsville earlier in the year. Martin won Phoenix earlier in the year. We ran really well there. Our, our 750 package is head and shoulders above where it was last year. So even if we had just pointed our way in and made it to Homestead, I mean, made, sorry, I wish it was Homestead, but <laughs> had made it to Phoenix at the end of the year with a shot to in, in the championship four, if we hadn't won a race at that point and had just pointed our way in, I would still feel better about our chances this year versus last year. Yeah, I mean, I said it on here either last week or the week before. Like, I felt like Denny's kind of flipped the script this year of – you know, he was the guy the last couple of years. Maybe, you know, Harvick was obviously the guy last year. But Denny was always kind of riding a huge wave of momentum into the playoffs. Like, you know, you come in and you're like, oh, man, this, this might be Denny's year. And I feel like this year it was almost flipped to where, you know, like you said, you guys – but when we started this playoff, you were by no means the favorite to win the championship. Obviously, no. Larson was. Um, you and know, I think he still is. Yeah. Denny, Denny I mean, he, he gave up, what, a 160-point lead or something like that? Over you know, nine races. Over nine races. Uh, hadn't won a race yet. You know, I know Denny knew he could run with anybody on the racetrack, but it just from the outside perception, you know, he he just wouldn't have been your favorite going into it. And now, if you ask me right now, yeah, I'm going to give a, a still a slight edge to Larson probably, but it's the gap is closed way down now. I mean, you look at this; this guy comes in the playoffs, he wins two out of the four races, he battling for the lead last week at Bristol and cuts a tire and, and, and ends that night. We could have won four in a row. As I was say, you should, you know, you're racing for the win at, at Richmond, you know, with, you know, with Martin there, your second place running him down. Um, 
you know, so he's been in contention to win every one of these races. He's won two of them. And, you know, then like you said now, that you're way better with that package going forward to for Michigan. Where are we? You got more sleep than I got. Come on, I got three hours. Have you been drinking? (laughs) No, that's the problem. He hasn't been drinking. Yeah, maybe you need to. (laughs) Somebody bring a fireball in here. Uh, Phoenix, we're going to Phoenix. Phoenix. Yeah, but yeah, like you said. um, But like, talk about one thing I want to talk with you about a little bit. Just how much Danny prepares for these races. I've seen it firsthand this year at twenty three eleven with him coming to the comp meetings, and I mean. This guy is a guy that runs top five every week in, week out. And the amount of time he spends on preparing himself for these races and going back and looking through SMT data and watching old races and stuff, I mean, a lot of guys should take notes and learn from him. But just because you, like, you would think a guy like this has got it all together and he's goes out there every week and runs top five, you'd be like, ah, you know, it'd be real easy to just rest on your laurels and go, wow, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm good enough. I'll, I'll go out there and beat these guys. But, you know, he's just he, endless hours, right? He, so like I said earlier, I've been with him for 10 years. And since 2012, when I come over here, we've had four different crew chiefs and in those 10 years. And they've all had their strengths. They've all had their weaknesses. They've all won races. He's won races with every crew chief he's ever had throughout his career. And he's won a race every year except for one. And if you look at 2018, the year we didn't win any races, his whole body of work, like I talked about earlier, that year was more top fives, more top tens, pretty good laps led. Um, so he's always in contention. But I feel like the biggest thing that Chris Gabehart has brought to the 11 team, and Denny especially, is accountability. Gabehart came in. He sat me down, even though I'd been with Denny for seven or eight years at the time when Chris first came over here in 19. And he sat Denny down, and he went over some analytical stuff that, that David Smith does and just break break down where we're strong, where we struggle, what – I need to work on as a spotter, information-wise, what Denny needs to work on as a driver. And, okay, you've won 40 races in your career doing it the way you've done it all these years, just relying on your talent and doing a little bit of work. If you really want to get to the Jimmy Johnson status, I remember years ago when I was at Red Bull with Brian Vickers and him and Jimmy and, and Jeff were really good friends. We were flying. I was flying with them. I don't remember where we were going now, but – Jeff made the comment. I was talking to Jeff about the difference between the 48 and 24 when they were in the same shop sharing the same stuff. And just basically, if you looked at it from the outside in, it's the same group. How does Jimmy have all these championships over the last several years? And the 24 has been strong, but not as strong. He's like, he works harder than I do. He's like, I've been doing this. I got four championships. I don't want to work that damn hard. I mean, it's constant. And you see it with Denny now. I guarantee you when he was flying home, whether it's last night or today from Vegas, he's already got his iPad out. He's looking at dotes from Talladega coming up, uh, what worked, what doesn't work, what we need to do, how we our last race uh, went, just seeing the trends. But he, he studies, he puts time in. It's not just getting behind the wheel and driving. It's not just going to the simulator. It's the preparation of understanding. Last night, our green flag pit stop was – a detriment to us in the spring the race we gave up a ton of time getting on the pit road and the green flag stop he went back we looked at smt data we moved our mark around the corner i mean just something as simple as that helped us maintain the lead to where when we had the flat tire coming to the last four or five laps we had a big enough gap there because he had made time earlier during the green flag cycle so it's just he he all these guys that win races at this level 
everybody in the Cup Series is super talented. There's a few guys that have that extra gear. I say when the end of the race comes down that they can go to that extra gear and get a little more. And the ones that actually put the work in off the racetrack, studying, figuring out where I need to be better, making themselves accountable. You know, Gabe Hart holds us all accountable to do our jobs and do it to the best of our ability without micromanaging us. But he holds Denny accountable as well, where I feel like a lot of guys in the past, because he's a superstar driver and and a veteran and has all this clout in the sport, a lot of those guys don't get held accountable the same way that other crew guys do. And I feel like Gabe Hart's just, you want to be great, then this is what we got to do. And it, it shows. Kevin Harvick compares his talk with Chase Elliott after Bristol to speaking to his nine-year-old son, Keelan. Spot on, spot off, ready. Yeah, um, I don't, I don't know. I mean, it seems pretty childish to be bringing this up again. You know, I, I thought when you, when you, when you, when you watched them last week, you know, they, that usually them conversations don't last as long as that one did last week. You know, usually that's. You know, I'm going to wreck you. I'm going to run you over, yada, 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 yada. Okay, we're done. That one, that was like three different conversations. They had one at the car. They had one in front of Jordan. Then they ended that one and went into the hauler, it looked like, and they were talking in there. So, you know, you leave last week and you're assuming, okay, well, that's over with, you know. And then you get here and all of a sudden Harvick's still throwing jabs and it's like, do you really need to be taking shots at the guy in the media? Like, you just had this long conversation with him. Um, it. It really seemed to affect Chase's night. You know, he he didn't seem like he was on it all night. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he run top five all night long and almost won the race. But he race scared. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I saw Chase responded just like you know whatever. This is pretty much the the standard Chase Elliott response. But you know, I get it. This is a this is probably a very very frustrating season for Kevin Harvick, and and you see it starting to overflow a little bit. And let me tell you something like. You know, he's, we talk about here on a lot about, you know, that guys that talk about it that don't do it, you know. Um, I Harvick would not be one that surprised me if if he's in position to, to affect the Nines championship hopes. He would probably take that opportunity. 100%. <laughs> you know, Harvick is – he's definitely a different guy now after having Keelan and, and having his, his kids. Um, he's calmed down a lot. I think he knows it tries to be a better role model but if you look at Harvick in his earlier days you know he's one of the biggest hotheads doesn't mind confrontation doesn't mind getting in somebody's face and putting hands on people I mean of all people in our sport I think years and years and years Ryan Newman and Carl Edwards is probably the two that most guys be like I'm not messing with him <laughs> um but you go back to Charlotte a few years ago in the garage during practice, and Kevin gets out of his car and goes over to Carl and yanks him up and had him in a headlock. And I mean, Kevin's not a big guy, but he's fiery and he's passionate. And he's probably, since Smoke's gone, he's probably the best in our sport at the head games. I mean, he he can jab you here, jab you there, make a little sly comment here, and and he does it at the right times that it can get in guys heads and um obviously last night it didn't seem to affect chase and i saw chase's response as well and it's you know he's like say what you're going to say i'm gonna go out here i've got the car and i got the speed to to do what i need to do now what you choose to do at phoenix if we get there is is on you but i'm done playing the word games i'm done playing the the media games and stuff like that but i don't think it's over i don't think it's over in the media i don't think it's over on the racetrack and until Kevin feels like that he has redeemed himself, I think it's going to continue and, and and could definitely be something to keep your eye on for sure. Yeah, I mean, you talk about it, you know, 
the, the head games, you know, like, and like you said, Tony was the master of it. The master. But, um, you know, Chase is going to think twice when he's around the four car. You know, whether it's for position, whether they're lapping him, whatever 100%. it is, you know, he's going to wonder is is he really going to do anything? Like, you know what I mean? You, you're going to, you ha- if you're not, you're crazy. Right. Um, but, you know, it's just like you said, he's got, he's playing, and like I said on here all the time, you know, if so, I'm going to wreck that guy, you're not going to wreck that guy. No. But Harv and Harvick has not said he's going to wreck him. Harvick just, you know, basically said it's not over. You know, it's, that's all he's he keeps saying. He's probably not going to make it easy on yeah, him. Yeah. I mean, oh, he's not going to make it no. easy for sure. But, you know, but like you said, it's just that little seed of doubt in Chase's mind can affect the way he runs a corner or something. And then, then, Kevin's accomplished his goal, really. It can affect the decision for sure. And I mean, but then again, you know, Chase is still a young guy, still making his mark in the sport, and he's a fan favorite. But, you know, when we wrecked him at Martinsville in 2017 uh, and affected his outcome of his series season for that year, we go now that was when the championship was still at Homestead, but we go to Phoenix. We're dominating the race. It's the 11 car. We come up on the nine late in the race and he just uses a little bit more racetrack up off of what's now turn two um used to be turn four at phoenix but he comes up off the racetrack runs us up in the wall we end up with a cut right front tire two laps later and stuff it into turn one wall and our our championship hopes are done and all he did was just use a little bit more racetrack nothing that caught anybody's attention we knew it was intentional but to the average fan i mean chase just chased it up the racetrack and, and shoved the 11 in the wall but so he's 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 been in these situations before, and he knows how to handle himself. And I I applaud him for not backing down to Kevin when Kevin got out of his car last week and went to him because a lot of guys wouldn't have put his hand in his face and and stood his ground. But I think Kevin will definitely win this battle when it comes to the mind games and and the media play and stuff like that because Chase is just going to shut down and just just uh, not respond. Spot on, spot off. Bob Parker says NASCAR is leaning towards a short 20 to 30 minute practice with no adjustments allowed underneath the car and then straight into qualifying next year. Lambert, spot on, spot off. Oh, I guess for me, it depends on what your goal is as a series, as the Cup Series. Um, We're going to a completely different car that you're going to have spec parts everything you're going to get for the race car is going to come from a vendor that everybody has the same parts, same pieces. Yes, you're still going to send them, assemble them a little bit differently, but at the end of the day, we don't have a spindle design that cost us 40 grand, you know what I mean? And, and it just works better than what the average guy can go buy from your average vendor. So I don't understand why we're not going to give these guys time in the race car to figure out, and practices, if I put myself in this situation, how's the car going to react? If I do this, how's the car going to I feel like these guys are going to go out there and be more timid because not knowing the unknown with less laps, less seat time than if you give them more practice. And at the end of the day, if we're trying to close the gap between the smaller teams or the less funded teams versus the mega powerhouses, this is going to make our simulation processes that much more important because when you – can't really make adjustments under the race car, which, you know, when we were at the Daytona test a few weeks ago, four hours to change a transaxle. Well, if you've got to change a transaxle during the middle of a race, you might as well, you're not going to get it done. You're going to be done. Um, so I can understand that with the way these cars are made and the way they're going to be built, you're not going to be able to work on them a whole lot. But 
I feel like that there should be certain racetracks, whether it's one mile and a half at the first third of the races and one short track in the first third, that we do have more practice. And then go to the second third of the series, same deal. Go to a speedway, go to a short track, go to a mile and a half and have more practice than that to give these guys or have just open practices um, to give these guys more seat time as drivers, give the crews more time because – at the end of the day, if we're trying to put a better product on the racetrack for our fans and have closer racing and stuff, having the drivers comfortable but also having the teams building notebooks quicker is going to be better and beneficial for all of us. Freddie? Yeah, so basically, you know, kind of heard the same stuff Bob's been reporting. Um, same short, pra- uh, short practice, small break, and qualifying. Uh, that's every week. It's going to be a two-day weekend for Cup, so a couple come in Saturday, do that, practice qualifying deal, race on Sunday. Be one-day show for Xfinity. They'll race on Saturday. They're going to have – Xfinity's supposed to have practice at like eight races next year, so kind of a similar schedule that we had last this year uh, there. Um, my biggest question is going to be I'm, I am hoping and praying that this is single-car qualifying because if they open this up to some kind of 30-minute, you know – 30 minute session of you know practice that's going to count as qualifying or whatnot with this package and these cars that has potential to turn into a disaster um you know because these things you uh you know you're almost seeming like we're going to be slow enough to where we're probably drafting off each other and and it's just it'll be a nightmare so i'm hoping bob is dead on as always uh you know short practice break minimal adjustments and go into qualifying. My pray is just please make this single car qualifying so that we don't have a nightmare on our hands like we used to have when the when we did that group qualifying at plate races. That yeah, as a spotter, that was our. Well, I don't know how everybody felt, but I, for me, that was my biggest nightmare of a weekend was qualifying. You dreaded it, um, just because you know that you were your lap depended on somebody in front of you to get a draft off of, and if they missed the lap and it held you up, you were at their mercy. Um, but for me, it's just there again, what's the, what are we after with this car? And I understand that they're trying to just take them one time now to have more time for the officials to do other things. And it's going to be impound and stuff like that's part of the reason why the adjustments are not going to be allowed. But, um, I just feel like that, that the bigger notebooks, these teams are able to the own track notebook, even the smaller teams are able to build quicker than they're going to catch up because Going into the first few races, I feel like the mega teams are still going to have an advantage because just simulation tools, more people, more thoughts, more processes, more ideas, they're going to be ahead anyway. And the more you can give these smaller teams on track time, that'll help them catch up. And we, we, I mean, you talk about guys learning the cars and learning what you can do with them. You were at that Daytona test. I heard feedback from the Daytona test from these guys that were like, man, the steering in the car is a little bit off from where we, you know, where we're used to. And we can't side draft like we normally would. You know, you didn't, you couldn't, the reaction time of pulling down on the guy and then trying to get off of him, you know, pull down on the guy's quarter tight and then get off of him to create that little, you know, pull back and, and, and advance yourself. Um, you know, guys said they didn't trust it. You know, they felt like the steering was a little bit different. So as they came down, if it didn't react right away, they would drive into the guy almost. Um, so, you know, that's just little stuff like that. They're going to have to, they're going to have to get out there and do it and learn new tricks and new tendencies and 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 how to drive these things around other cars yeah it's the 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 daytona test was an eye-opening experience for me just because obviously i feel like denny's one of the better super speedway racers there is joey was there he's really good 
Um, Ricky was there. He's really good. But it was only eight cars. But Denny's exact comment was his side drafting game is gone. You know, this steering rack, the way they are. He said in the garage, they they seem like they're really slow just driving around the garage and stuff. But as soon as you get on the racetrack and you load it up and the RPMs picks up and it starts spinning the, the rack the way it does, when you make a move to side draft somebody, when you start to turn away from them, you don't know how quick it's going to go. I mean, we were having issues, just single car runs. We'd come off turn two on the flat part of the backstretch at Daytona and tell him to lift, and it would just hang a hard right. But if he lifted in the corner when it was loaded up in the bank and it would hang a hard left, he said, you know, if I have to roll out of the gas because something happens in front of me, I don't know which direction it's going to take off to because it, it reacts differently from time to time. And there's no rhyme or reason for for either one, but there's a lot of stuff we got to figure out. And just, just, uh, I just, I don't, I don't know. I just feel like giving these guys more seat time to get more comfortable is what's going to make the racing better, not just the car itself. Have there been conversations around maybe a longer practice to start for the people who haven't had any seat time whatsoever? I mean, we're going to have tests. We're running. I don't know. I know I got three or four tests scheduled. One at the Roval. One at the Charlotte Oval. Another one in Daytona. Day, yeah, Daytona. Like a 26 car test in Daytona in uh, January. Phoenix? Is there one in Phoenix? There's or? one in Phoenix. Uh, I know Bubba's doing a tire test in Atlanta. So, I mean, there's a, there's going to be a lot of testing in the off season coming up. The off season that we, you know, that, that we just go home and take a break and take a nap for three months, like Twitter things. Um, but <laughs> I mean, I do. But most of the guys got to work for a living. Um, but yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I think that that will serve as the extended practice it'll probably be a day or you know two days um but i think that this plan right now is everywhere we go is going to be the same format of you know 20 30 minute practice and then and then straight into qualifying hey guys we got a new partner here to talk about goldfish casino slots it's a free-to-play mobile game that provides an authentic Las Vegas experience with a splash of unmatched fun. On October 2nd, Goldfish Casino Slots mobile game will be the proud sponsor of AJ Allmendinger in his Xfinity Series race at Talladega. And guess what? Goldfish Casino Slots is offering our listeners the opportunity to win AJ Allmendinger's officially worn and autographed fire suit and helmet. If that isn't enough, you could also win original NASCAR crew shirts and more awesome prizes. Goldfish Casino Slots is hosting a raffle in-game from September 30th through October 4th where players can win genuine NASCAR prizes. Here's a tip on how to win. Visit ajgoldfish.com and follow the instructions. Enjoy the game today and enter as soon as the raffle opens on September 30th. The more you spin, the more tickets you enter and the better chances of winning AJ Allmendinger's driver's suit and helmet. That's AJGoldfish.com. All right, time for Reaction Theater. First call. Oh, Casey Boat. Yes, this is the Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Hello. Yes, we had a, um, a slight complaint for, uh, for one Casey Boat by a couple of the drivers for this racetrack. They said they ran over debris. They What they called debris, they had lots of flat tires and loose wheels. And um, our our detectives here at the Las Vegas Motor Speedway have traced it back to a seat in the grandstands that was purchased by one Miss Casey Boat. 
Miss Boat, you are not going to be allowed to come back to any more races at the Las Vegas Motor Speedway, and we would advise you to clean up wherever you go next time, as I have no idea how the debris that you put down in your seat got on the racetrack, but you're a very dirty person, Miss Boozy Boat, <laughs> and uh, we hope you have a good Jeez. day, and uh, to clean yourself up. Thank you. Clean, clean yourself get, up. Get your together, yeah. Casey. Are you sure it wasn't Brett and Freddy after a few drinks in Vegas? Fireball. Drink mm-hmm. Really, really love seeing Josh Berry get another win. That kid deserves everything that he gets. Uh, his interviews, he comes across really well. Uh, and he's obviously got the speed to follow it up. Big props to Dale Jr. for giving him the shot. I hope that they can get all the sponsorship together to give him a proper season, full season. And I'd love to see him full season in Cup as well. Coming from England, we get a lot of uh, pay drivers, get all the drives over here. So when you get the underdog come through, man, it makes you feel good. Josh Berry has gone worldwide, folks. We've got fans in England, uh, and I don't blame him one bit. I mean, what a job. I mean, this kid is unbelievable this year. Like, ridiculous. Just jump in that car, go out there and win the race, you know. And, and and a big part of that a lot of people didn't realize was, you know, they're in the owner's championship. So now they're advanced to the next round. And, I mean, he, if he you know. If, Think if about Martinsville coming yeah, if up. If he can get, if he stays yeah. in there, is, I don't know, is yeah. Michael coming back? Are we not uh, sure? I'm it's kind of week to week. Sure. Yeah, week yeah. to week. Um, so, you know, we'll see. But, you know, I mean, if Michael's not feeling 100%, I mean, they've you know, this these guys with, I mean, Michael's won in plate races before, so he can go out and win next week. But, you know, I mean, Josh, whew, he could go out there and steal an owner's championship before you know it. I'm glad the world, like you just said, is finally able to see what all of us that are ingrained in the sport and come from the short track background. Late model stocks is where I started and grew up. It's where Denny started and grew up. Um, I mean, kudos to Junior for giving Josh the opportunity for years and years and years here to run those cars and build a name for himself. But um, I'm extremely happy for him he's a racer to the to the core and um he deserves everything that he's getting but he um as a group for the one car you know i've known bummy for a long time and he's been around our sport and he's behind the scenes quiet guy that never wants any attention on him or anything but that whole one team has went through a lot with with the issues that they've had and michael's uh issues with his his leg and stuff so um, I'm glad to see that whole team get a win um, they work just as hard as every other team here at Junior Motorsports and every other team in the garage and when you got different guys in and out of the cars you never get to build a, a, a notebook with one guy and it's hard to just show up I mean putting seats in the cars are hard enough just not knowing week to week but um, kudos for them and Josh is a he's he deserves everything he's getting alright talking the British accent the rest of the show now everybody nope not a chance talking apples <laughs> i tell you what boys that was about the best race we've had all year had everything from a couple of lead changes to data from the fucking impact guns hell the ending was almost interesting too i don't know what it is about these intermediate tracks but we need more of them and less short tracks tell you what i sense a little bit of sarcasm maybe hard to tell uh you know listen that i don't know that 550 that package. race was great yeah <laughs> Labor, was that you? That, yeah, yeah. I, you know, it is what it is. We beat a dead horse on here, but that five fifty package just doesn't work some places. Dale finally gave his reaction to TJ's "What an idiot!" I mean, I don't know what it is that Dale Jr. and Mike Davis are smoking in that Bojangle studio. I mean, I live in Oregon, so it's probably legal where I'm at. I mean, I, I'm actually probably gonna stop and get some on the way home from work today. But anyway, 
You know, wow. it's like they say that you guys need to name drop their podcast for your podcast to stay relevant, but I don't think they realize that you guys have a racing podcast that actually talks about racing and not just stuff that gives Dillner wet dreams at night, you know? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. And then he wants to come on your podcast, and it's like, Dale, now who's trying to be relevant? <laughs> if, you, if you put me on this week, I'll tell you what. I'll write you guys a DBC rap for next week. Oh. Well, Jason, were you did you were did you get permission to post No, this no. One? They they take shots at us. So, uh Freddie can take a shot back at them. Yeah, I mean, it's I mean, Dale hasn't been on here because we don't, you know, we haven't invited him. I mean, <laughs> what what's we need him for? We only need him to get out of trouble. Like and we get ourselves in trouble a lot, we need we have to call Dale to bail us out, but then, you know, I mean, if he wants to gain some relevance in the sport by coming on DBC, I guess we can let him do it. But, you know, I suppose some of our listeners might leave. <sighs> wow. That, I'm not touching I, that I'm just going <laughs> to not talk and tell you're great. There again, Junior's a K-Town kid from way back in the day. So um, he's great. He's great. This race sucks. Like you, TJ. Oh. <gasps> I love when you could hear the race still on in the background. That means they just literally the race ended and that guy's calling. Or it's probably mid-race maybe because there wasn't many very exciting parts of that race last night. Okay, I'm seriously about done with Kevin Harvick. He can take one of those $5 footlongs and shove him straight up his old ass. First of all, he's going to compare his chase to his 9-year-old Keelan Harvick. Well, Chase actually might be flying through the air next week at Talladega like Keelan did at that racing event he was in. But... It won't be because of his own doing. He'll probably get caught up in someone else's mess. And second of all, I mean, first stage, he's drives straight into the 21 and is complaining of arrow push. Dude, why are you driving into people's left side again? I mean, again. I hate to say it, but I think it's time to put a close to the closer's career because he's pissing me off. Does TJ spot for this too? <laughs> wow. Uh, I love our fans. Love him. Maybe TJ had heard these already, and that's why he decided not to come TJ today. Did. Yeah. Did <laughs> you prepare him, Jason? No. It's just every week at this point. Wow. Did y'all give Cody Ware some of that fireball? Because, hell, he was driving like it. Holla. <laughs> <laughs> that was an interesting accent. I don't know where I picked I think it was another English accent. It sounded like, a, sounded like another international dbc or Unreal. How in the f*** do you think this is good racing? Just imagine we maybe had some new fans tune into Bristol last week. There's a lot of hype around Bristol. And, and so they tuned in, got a great race, and said, I, I'm going to keep going. I, I, this NASCAR thing is actually pretty cool. And then you tune into this steaming pile of dog shit. This 550 horsepower package needs to go. This is not racing. This is not fun to watch. Absolutely brutal garbage product. Tell us how you really feel. Hard to disagree with him sometimes. Is this Jeb? Jeb's Jeb's back. Okay, she's beautiful. She glows like a field of wheat in summer. Casey's beautiful. But she never ever picks her shit up. I'd marry her today if she just put her shit away. Chad, is that you? She's got Cheetos on the floor from 2004. 
Okay, Jeb. Jeb, you win. Jeb lights up my day when I see that. I name think on the that maybe sheet. we should just cut like half the song out. Like the start was solid, <laughs> the st- solid. <laughs> it's the first line you want to hear. The first line. Yeah, I'd marry her today. <laughs> She's beautiful. She like. Can I? Can we record? Like, can I take that part? Uh, cut and edit. <laughs> yeah, I would just like to point out that I was on two planes this week and I cleaned up after Chloe. You should took pictures. I, I should have taken pictures, but I was too busy dealing with a crying child. So if you're a mom, you probably understand how hard it is. And I wouldn't be surprised if Chad hired some of these people to call in. <laughs> but thank you, Jeb. I'll be sure to clean up after myself. Cheetos sound great right now. Well, to leave an audio message 24-7, go to anchor.fm slash clear and click the message icon. We'll keep playing the best ones on the show each week. Maybe Jason cut out the ones that talk crap about me. Nope. Rude. Offer pad question of the week. If you and your family had to swap houses with your cup driver right now for one year and couldn't go back to your current home, would you do it? Oh. I'm confused by this question. So, like, we go live, I go live above his house for a year and then I'm homeless? <laughs> no, like you just yeah, trade for a year. Yeah, you can't go back to your house in that year at all. You just yeah. go, oh, you're saying, okay, just I can go back Liber, and yes. eventually. <laughs> yes, I will gladly, <laughs> I will trade. <laughs> well, you yeah. could probably fit every spotter in Denny's house. I told and you. And not see each other. I told yes. you, I've been living there for like six months. So I'm just waiting <laughs> for him to find me. Yeah, I've, uh, huh. you could put my house inside of his probably about 20 times. <laughs> um, but... I know it's probably going to get me in trouble, but my wonderful wife, Angela, struggles to keep our house clean. So I would not want to live in much more square footage than we have now um, because God knows what it would look like. But uh, This would be the last time Lambert's allowed yeah, on here. No, no it's um, – <laughs> I would definitely – I mean, he's got a cool house and, and a lot of bachelor-type things, obviously, but I'm, I'm good where I'm at in good old Concord, North Carolina. I can't live above his house. He's got too much yard. I don't like to keep my little yard just cleaned up and, and mowed. He's got way too much yard over there, so I'm out. Like, He's got a cool garage set up with a pool table and all ping pong table, all kind of cool stuff, but he can have his house. I'll keep mine. Go get a cash offer on your home today with our presenting sponsor, OfferPad.com. Time to get into our Xfinity X-Fi more than fast moments. You need more than just speed to compete in NASCAR. Where did we see teams need to be more than fast this week? Freddie. Man, there was a lot of good ones this week. Um, I have to go with the end of the truck race. Thor Sport Racing gets up there and and just takes off. For some reason, Todd Gilliland chose the bottom when the top had been the preferred line and and let Eckes, Christian Eckes get out front, win the race, first win for him. Big deal. But on top of that, Thor Sport goes one, two, three, four to finish the race. I mean, I, I, I find it hard to believe that's ever happened before. So uh, my Xfinity X5 more than fast moments got to go to them. Lambert? Uh, for me, it's uh, obviously. I wonder, I wonder who you're going to mm-hmm. pick. Obviously. <laughs> it's got to be the 11 car winning and punching our ticket to the next round and being able to go to 
Talladega and the Roval and not having to worry about anything and just um, enjoying those two weeks and concentrating on our Kansas and Texas program. I'll weigh in this week. My Xfinity X5 more than fast moment. Just keep it here at GM Motorsports. Josh Berry had to battle back after Justin Allgaier had taken the lead from, from pit strategy. So impressive. Josh Berry driving back through the field, getting another win. Second of the year, JRM 1-2-3. I think it was a pretty solid day here at JRM. We like it fast here on Door Bumper Clear, but what we really like is being more than fast. Thankfully, there's always tons of action for our Xfinity X5 more than fast moments. You know what else is more than fast? Xfinity X-Fi. With the speed for all your devices, you also get reliable performance that you can depend on to keep your crew connected. On the track, being more than fast means you've got the teamwork and strategy to win. With Xfinity X-Fi, you can do more of what you love with faster internet and a powerful and secure connection. Follow at Xfinity Racing on Twitter for even more Xfinity X-Fi more than fast moments. And Casey, don't forget to vote for your favorites. You got it. Thank you to Xfinity, proud premier partner of NASCAR. Hey, what's up, DBC fans? If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let us explain. Well, first of all, Freddie, the best part is it's free. There's nothing better than using a free, awesome service. To make the process simple and easy, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor helps people find your show by distributing the podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more platforms. Also, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. I like, I like money. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. We love using Anchor. It's a great platform that lets us hear from the fans in Reaction Theater with Anchor's Leave a Message feature. So when you create your account with Anchor, you can also utilize their feature and make your own podcast. TJ will uh, be your first guest. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M to get started. What an idiot! Time for What an Idiot! Freddie, who you got? Brett left a voice memo 2-1. Oh, I'll have to play. Freddie, go first. I mean, it's 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 probably got to be Cody Ware. I mean, I don't. I really didn't even prepare another one this week. I just, I mean, my I was just scrolling my Twitter timeline when I got on the plane last night, and it was Kyle Busch about Cody Ware, uh, Tyler Reddick about Cody Ware, fans about Cody Ware holding up Denny Hamlin. I witnessed him almost driving to the side of the forty-two. So, uh, yeah, you got to go Cody Ware. I think. Lambert. If you say me, I'm punching you in the head. You can say him. <laughs> well, it was close. Um, I had it, and I really didn't put a whole lot of thought into it till I was on my way up here and realized uh, they may ask me this question. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, for me, I thought about the 42 of Hosevar doing his spins as blatantly as he did, but I'm going to go with, until I go back and listen to the audio, I'm going to go with F and Freddie for not telling Bubba the information that he needed to not hold the 11 car up and make the race as close as it was. So, Freddie is my idiot of go, the week. Go listen to the f-ing audio. <laughs> <laughs> kiss my ass when you do. You call me and apologize when you're done. Yeah, okay. Oh, and I'm going to say I think TJ and Brett are idiots this week for bailing on the show, taking a vacation day. I don't really know what their excuses are, but I don't really care. We just should just give them so, this week. 
I mean, yes. At least, like, they're both idiots. Brett's always an idiot. TJ, at least Brett gave us a week's notice. TJ gave us seven and a half minutes. He said he didn't know. He's full of he probably didn't know I was going to be on here till earlier, and he's like, nope, I'm out. Just kidding. <laughs> All right, here's what Brett sent in last night. Yo, what's up, everybody? Uh, I hate I couldn't make the show today, but I did have to call in for my what an idiot moment of the race. Man, Sheldon Creed, the guy's a great race car driver. You just can't make stupid errors like that. When you hear your spotter say they're wrecking, the last thing that should go through your mind is to stay wide ass open. Come on, Sheldon, do better. Well, if Brett was on the show, he would know that it was a mistake and we already <laughs> talked about it and everybody makes mistakes. Well, I don't know if you're aware of this and you may have got wind of it um, being on the show as long as you have, but Brett happens to be perfect. And doesn't make any mistakes ever. Vomit. Um, always right. Never makes a mistake. He so admitted he was wrong once, and I actually remember I that. I think he, you know, he thought he was wrong once, but he was mistaken. So it's, uh, you know, but yeah, thanks for that, Brett. Appreciate mm -hmm. it. Time for DBC picks. Brett, not even here to celebrate, but he won at Las Vegas with Martin Truex Jr. So the score is now fourteen to ten to six, with Freddie still leading. Brett is in second, and TJ is in third. Freddie, you are up first for Talladega. Who you got? I will take – I don't know who I want. I'll take Ryan Blaney. TJ is picking Denny Hamlin. What? What? And then – He's uh, probably trying to put a whammy on you. Brett is exactly. going to pick Brad Keselowski. Lambert, who would you pick if you uh, were in contention? I wonder who he's going to pick. Mm -hmm. yeah, don't well, be, don't be <laughs> TJ. If you pick the 11, I'm back in you. <laughs> Explain to me why I shouldn't pick the 11. I mean, he is the, like, if I had to pick of anybody on here and not trying to plan for the rest of the season, I would have picked the 11. But just don't be TJ. Like, pick yeah. somebody else. I mean, pick Quinn Huff. That's all. I mean, Corey LaJoy. Pick, you know what? Give me, give me, the dark horse that you think has the best shot at winning on Sunday? The dark horse. I would say um, Brian Blaney would probably not my dark horse. He would probably be my pick if I had to choose just because he's consistently, especially at Talladega, he's consistently there and puts himself in the right position and has a shot. But for dark horse for me, I would probably pick the 17 of Chris Buescher. Just uh, it's a Ford. The numbers are there for him. Um, the Roush program on the on the Super Speedways is really good, and our buddy Mike Cummins Jr. is is a damn good plate spotter, Super Speedway spotter, and has won before. So um, I would go with the 17. That is a good pick. Well, before we go, I definitely need to give Chris Wyndham a shout out for winning four crown in the midget. I asked him for. Three wins and he only gave you, you one. Did what? Yeah, that was rude. Axed. Why'd you hit him with axed an axe? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and of course, Chad and CB Industries. I think it was a pretty solid weekend. Did they get one, two on Saturday night, or uh, did Spencer? Uh, Spencer got third. Third. The so. video of him on the trailer celebrating was that was cool. That yeah. I, I texted him uh, <laughs> when I saw the video. I said, "How many did you? Who ran more laps yesterday? You or Chris? Because I could tell he was walking. I was, if you ever stood anywhere near Chad during a race, he's you a can't. damn wreck. Really, and 
I could see. I could tell you he was probably doing laps around the top of that trailer with Chris every time they made a lap. He was so doing it it's him. kind of funny watching how Billy used to be when Chad would race. Is like Billy would go in AFib. Like he like he'd have to take a pill because he'd be a wreck when Chad was racing. And now watching Chad as a team owner, and I, he actually gains weight when there aren't as many races and then he loses weight so chili bowl season the kid's like a stick <laughs> after chili bowl gain a little bit more weight and then you go into the season now i mean he's he's bathing suit ready all year so uh, i just think it's cool for the fans to see how much these guys that have invested time money effort the hours that he puts mm -hmm. in obviously like you talk about every week but to to know how much they really truly care and how much it means to them. It's cool to see that from the owner side of it and from the team side of it, not just the driver side, but yeah, I was happy for those guys. Thanks. Yeah. Awesome for Chad. Uh, awesome for Chris. Uh, Sunshine, I think he won something. He probably won the sprint car race, I think. He's yeah. We were giving, I was giving both of them guys hell yesterday for not winning all the races. I guess there's no way they were both yeah, going to win you, all of them. Yeah, you're not in the car, so but, I don't really well, they, know. They said at least they won one. I wasn't going to win anything mm -hmm. this week, so they got me there. Uh, shout out Wyatt Alexander. I think I got his T-shirt on. Uh, he won last night, Beach Ridge. That was going to be their last race ever there. Uh, sad deal for that place closing down, but glad to see them guys send me a big picture of all my buddies from that Black Flag podcast all over the car uh, in Victory Lane. So that was cool. And uh, my buddy Richie Davidowitz, kid I've been helping for a long time at Riverhead, he won a back-to-back -back championships on Saturday night. So uh, pumped about that. Uh, pumped to hear, you know, Riverhead, obviously Eddie Partridge passed away um, last week and, or a couple weeks ago now. And uh, they announced Saturday that they're – they will continue on with the racetrack as is. Eddie's wife, Connie, That's his awesome. nephew, Tom. So uh, they expect to be back there racing in the spring. So that was good news for me, short track world. Um, what else we got going on, Casey? What are we doing this weekend? I think Chad's in, like, Sweet Springs. I don't know. He always travels. Every weekend there's a race, so I'm not surprised. But uh, what else we got going on? Who you got in the Xfinity race, Lambert? I have, and it's going to be cool. It's going to be are we breaking news here? <laughs> it's I, th I think they've already announced it. Maybe they haven't, but um, Santino is going to be back in the 26th for the first time in a while, and uh, he is on the chip, obviously, every week that he's in it. But he says that he's done a lot of drafting in these shifter carts, and he's he knows what to expect. And so we're going to have a spotting 101, driving 101 lesson on Thursday at the Sam Hunt Racing Shop to – Try and calm him down a little bit and help him understand more what goes into a drafting Xfinity race versus a shifter cart. So I'm a <clears throat> I'm a big fan of this guy because like he don't care. Like he Zero. is just gonna send it. Like he got in that midget of chili bowl and just hell with it. I'm gonna drive this hit. I'm gonna drive the wheels off it. You know, literally did, I think. Um <laughs> yes. but you know, like he don't care. He's just gonna get in and go as hard as he can, and that's what you want, you know. He's on the gas for sure. It's it's harder to speed guys up and just slow guys down. Um, a lot of guys can go fast, and a lot of guys that do have speed don't have the racecraft to be able to race, but he's he's proven to me in his few races that he's had that the drive's there, the work ethic, like we talked about earlier with Denny, is there. He he works hard at it, and, and um, not only on the driving side, but trying to sell sponsorship and stuff like that. But um, I'm looking forward to it. It's uh, I would not be around the 26th, the first few laps of the race, <laughs> just until we can get him, get him calmed down and the rain's under him, but... Um, it should be fun. I'll let, I'll let Brett know because he's spotting for Jeb this week. I'm taking the weekend off again. What? 
He, so does, he does all the plate races. So Jeb has a shot. Jeb's got a shot this week. Dropped in the dead weight. <laughs> um, yeah, but, yep, that was fun. Well, I think this show has been long enough. Poor Jason has to edit it since we already started late. So have a great week, everyone. Can't wait to watch Talladega this weekend. Good luck to you guys. Congrats again, yeah. Lambert. Thank and you. And thanks for coming, Lambert. Thanks for saving the yeah. day. Because we were going to have to cancel the podcast if if you weren't here. So yeah. make sure y'all comment about how much Brett and TJ sucks and how <laughs> Lambert is the best. Yes, for always. Sure. Have a good one, guys. Thanks, guys. Check out Dirty Mo Media on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Dirty Mo. Dirty Mo.